Hello and welcome to the Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Um, for those of you that are new to the show, I want to just real quickly give you an overview of, you know, from a contextual perspective of what we're looking at here. Uh, I call the program the soul of business for a very specific reason. Uh, Carl Jung, years ago before uh, he died, obviously, uh, the philosopher, uh, was asked if he had some idea about how he could describe what the soul is in lay terms. And essentially what he said was that the soul, from his perspective, is that that kernel of anything, and this is a paraphrase, but it's that kernel of, any, of anything that gives, that gives it life, that actually brings it into existence. It's that little voice in the middle of the night that calls out to grow, to be more. Um, and if we're paying attention to it, we're connected to something that uh, essentially is immortal in, in many ways. But more than that, it gives purpose and meaning to what it is that we're doing. And that's true for a business as well. Businesses have souls. Uh, yeah, individuals have souls. And I don't mean this in a religious sense. I mean it in the sense that there's a spark of aliveness. There's something in us and there's something in our businesses that calls out for us to be more, to grow, to expand, to be all that we could be, you know, so, to, so to speak. So the idea on the soul of business conversation, and that's what this, this show actually is, is a conversation with my guests. We explore what it means to actually connect to the soul um, and uh, you know, what, what the consequences of disconnect are and what the consequences of connecting could be. So very interesting group of guests that are passing through the portals of the show uh, and this uh, episode is no different. Uh, in in, in uh, today's episode, we're gonna take a little bit of a turn towards a high-tech conversation. Uh, which almost can seem oxymoronic in one sense, because does tech have a soul? Well, everything has a soul. So uh, my guest today is Fabian uh, Schwartz, and Fabian has been in the uh, tech industry for you know, decades. Uh, um, and that's not to you know, call him old by any stretch of the imagination, but it is to give you a sense that he has got some, uh, some serious pedigree. Um, he's taught uh, a very interesting process called Scrum. And we're going to talk about that in some detail here. Um, but he's worked with the, um, the founder, or the founder, or actually the creator of Scrum. Uh, he's also um, studied at Stanford and Harvard. He teaches um, around the world, and both in the U.S., but also uh, Europe and South America. And uh, has uh, actually you know, been in front of you know, more than 30,000 people with this Scrum technology and the Scrum conversation. And I just want to pause there for just a moment and welcome uh, my guest, Fabian Schwartz. Fabian, yeah, hello. welcome. Hello, Blaine, and yeah, thanks for having me on your show. Oh, yeah, absolutely, my pleasure. Um, now, just a you know, full disclosure here. Um, yeah, I met Fabian uh, a couple of weeks ago just uh, in a conversation, and we had actually recorded this show uh, at that point in time, but we had a little bit of a technological glitch. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so we're back uh, for one more iteration on this, and actually, I'm pretty excited about that because I loved our previous conversation, and I don't have the archive of it because it got corrupted, so this gives us a chance to go around one more time. Well, yeah, and because there were questions I didn't get to ask last time, just given our time constraint. So, um, again, welcome back to the show. 
Um, and I want to just start with a question that I ask all of my guests. And it's one that you've heard me ask before. You know, when you hear the, the, uh, the uh, phrase, the soul of business, you know, what does it evoke for you? What does it kind of bring up for you? I, I think Peter Drucker once said something like the, the whole purpose of business is to create a, create a customer. I would probably elaborate on that and I would say the soul of the business is to create value for the customer. I think you probably can create a customer for a while, even if you don't create real value. But I think the company will disappear pretty fast if you can't create real value for your for a customer, which in my opinion means solving a problem for the customer. Mm -hmm. and, and, and for you, how does that relate to uh, the soul? Yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, the soul is like the essence of something, right? So. Mm -hmm. In, in my opinion, this this is the essence of, of a business. So if if you if you take that away, if you can't create value for for the customer, I think you take the essence of the business away, and with that you take the essence or you take the soul of the business away. That would be my my point on that. <laughs> okay, no, I, I, I think that's well said. And, and what I like about you know, kind of the you know, the way you describe that. Purpose of business is to create a customer. You do that by, by creating value and you create value by solving a problem. And so there, there's some, some uh, really interesting migrational flow to that, that I think that actually is quite elegant. And I, and none of my guests have put it that way before. So I want to thank you for that. That's a, that's a really interesting flow. Um, and you know, and it's speaking of flow, um, yeah, I want to get into this, you know, the scrum concept because um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just fascinated by it. I truly am. Um, now, I played rugby when I was in university and you and I had talked about this a little bit. And um, the word scrum, to those of you that are familiar with the sport of rugby, is that big you know, aggregation of folks in the middle of the field and somebody throws a ball and throws the rugby ball in there and then it just kind of moves in and it's a, it's a scrum is that, 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 that place where all kinds of stuff is happening. So you've appropriated the, the, the name scrum for a fascinating and I think highly elegant and sophisticated process. So can you describe it a little bit for the lay uh, listeners here? So, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, Blaine. So where, where, where does it come from? So there was, I think, a Harvard Business Review article in 86 where Takeuchi Inunaka analyzed several companies and analyzed them regarding their performance. So there were very high-performing teams on some of those companies. And they, they, they analyzed, well, what are they doing? So what are these teams doing to, to, to create such high performance? And some of that stuff was they were, for example, self-organized, you know, autonomous self-organized teams. And they actually said, okay, that, that looks like a, like a scrum, right? That looks like one team moving with the same goal, full power in the same direction. So, so, so they, they first put a name on that. And then I think around the early 90s, 93 or so, uh, Jeff Sutherland um, was working in Easel Corporation, I think it was. Mm -hmm. and, and he read the, the article with, with his team and they were trying to, to figure out how to improve their performance. And, and, and I guess they liked the name, so they put Scrum on, on, on the way they worked. 
and and later on, uh, um, Jeff, together with with Ken Schwaber, they elaborated on that on that way of working, uh, and and then they developed um, over time what we call now the Scrum Guide. So if you wonder what Scrum is, it's basically a very lightweight management framework that allows you to to adapt fast to your environment and to to basically create value fast or faster. The value path. And you, know, you use the word a lightweight management framework. I don't want the listener to get confused here. This is not a lightweight process, <laughs> but, but it, it's, a, it's a light touch framework that allows for a lot of work to get done. Yeah, yeah, sure. You, so you, you have two, two parts here. One is it's important to make sure which work you're actually doing and then in what order, in order of priorities, right? So, so you can already improve your performance by not doing something that is not essential or it doesn't create value. Basically, stop producing waste if you want, which is a lean idea. And the, the other thing is you, if, if you're already focused and you already have priorities and you produce only what creates value, well, you still can do that faster, right? So Scrum helps you with both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you, you mentioned lean. So there, there is an association between both the lean methodology and agile. Yeah. And, and, and how scrum works. Yeah. Yeah. In, in concert with that. Yeah, uh, sure. Sure. It is. So um, scrum incorporates some of the, the lean ideas. So uh, for example, there's this book, uh, the, the Toyota way where you, where you uh, have several of the, uh, I think 14 principles, that, that they're based on. And Scrum incorporates lots, lots of them. Um, but I probably would like to mention, um, some people I think get lean wrong. So, so if you focus lean only on process improvement, I think you get it wrong. Mm -hmm. There's actually an interesting book from 2018, it's called, I think, The Secrets of Toyota, that, that says that only 5% of the value from Toyota comes from that part of lean, which is the process improvement. 95% comes from the part of Toyota product development, which is basically defining what are you going to do and what, what are priorities and also what are you not going to do. And what, yeah, really importantly, what are you not going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Cause energy will follow attention and yeah, yeah. what do we, what do we not want to pay attention to here? Right. Um, you know, um, yeah, you've mentioned a couple of different books. You've got a book that has just come out called uh, Your Scrum Playbook. It's Poker, Not Chess. And I, and I love that tagline uh, for some really interesting reasons. Um, but two things here, you have two questions for you. The, the Scrum Playbook, you know, what, what's from a content perspective, you know, what, what do you have there? And then the tagline, uh, <laughs> it, it's Poker, Not Chess. What's going on with that? Okay. Well, let, me, let, let me tell you how, how I actually get to write the book because I have to tell you I didn't want it to do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> for, more, for more than three years in the company, they told me I should write a book about Scrum, obviously. So I, I said, well, why would I do that? We have the Scrum Guide. Okay? The Scrum Guide is 16 pages long and it's pretty clear, so there's not a lot of misunderstandings in there. It tells you exactly what to do. So, so why would I write another book? book to make that more complex and more difficult. And by the way, there are lots of other Scrum books out there. So why would I just add to the, to the confusion? But over time, 
um, talking with all our clients, we, we sense we always get the same kind of questions. Okay? And those questions were all around, so how are we going to do that? And what is clear, the Scrum Guide tells you what to do, but how are we going to do that? And actually, if, if you look at the Scrum Guide, it says the rules of the game. Okay, so now, now take any sports or take chess, for example, to use that. Yeah. Now, how good of a chess player will you be if you know the rules, just the rules? Well, well apparently you can play, but you probably lose every single game yeah. because you just play. And it's the same with Scrum. Like the Scrum guide gives you the rules. If you follow the rules, you're part of the game. But, but in order to win in any sports and rugby, for example, where well, you, you need strategies, right? So what, what you call in your plays. So, so that's where the idea of, of having a playbook comes from. It gives you, it gives you the how, it, it helps you with the how, it gives you strategies. And the, the tagline, well, that, that, that comes from an interesting um, statement I read from Annie Duke, uh, a famous poker player. And she said, uh, business is more, more, more like chess and more like poker and like chess. So, so when I was thinking about that, while I was doing my MBA, well, we got lots of explanations how to plan, how to build strategies, etc. And it was all based on the assumption that you can actually foresee everything that's, that happens. You can, you see your opponent, you see every possible move, you analyze, you, you, maybe you build scenarios, but then you select a plan and you follow the plan. Now I think that's not how business works. <laughs> I think you're right about that. <laughs> so, so in business, there, there are lots of uncertainties. Oh, so you see some players and you see some cards, which is more like poker where you see your cards and the community cards, but you definitely don't see all. So there's a high element of uncertainty to that. And, and, and that's where this, this tagline comes from. I believe we are playing more poker than, than chess and business. Yeah. So, and, and, and it's that uncertainty um, that I think is, is where Scrum really excels because it approaches the, the process of uh, team development, team tuning, and, and uh, um, goal uh, achievement in a very disciplined way, accounting for the vagaries in the marketplace, accounting for the system uh, dynamics that uh, are unpredictable. Oh, sure, sure. I absolutely agree with you, Blaine. So if you look at the time of, of Henry Ford or Frederick Taylor, what I tried to, to, and we're talking here about assembly lines, right? So you can actually yeah. foresee every step in the process. And then you, you specialize people on each step and then you just follow the process. So there's no uncertainty. There's right. zero uncertainty. But but in, in you, you would think that there's no uncertainty, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at least there's a low low level of uncertainty, right? Yeah. So so but in 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 a in a in today's environment, where first of all things things change very fast, and in a in a new product development world or in a project world, where things things haven't been done that way before. So it's not a process, it's not re repetitive. So you, you actually don't know everything that's going to happen. And, and as soon as you have uncertainty involved, what you have to do is you have to learn. It's like how you count the uncertainty. The higher the uncertainty is, the faster you have to learn. And what Scrum does is it builds very short iterations for you and it helps you to learn fast, which actually at the end helps you to drive uncertainty down and to handle this environment. 
Yeah. Now, what I like about that, you know, the learning piece here, you know, a very good friend of mine uh, just uh, launched a new book himself, and, it, and it's called uh, Limitless. And it's by uh, uh, Jim Quick, K-W-I-K. Um, and one of the things that Jim is known for is um, teaching people to learn how to learn. And one of the things about the, the iterative process of Scrum is that it's, it's, it's organized around learning. Uh, so, so to your point about driving down uncertainty. Yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong in this leap that I'm making right now. One of the, um, the benefits organizationally to having Scrum as part of the, uh, um, the internal process of the organization is that it's a way for people to learn how to learn and you can begin to embed that in the culture. Would that, would that be a fair assessment on my part? Oh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty correct assessment. So Scrum has, at the end of its iteration, basically an obligated learning part. We call it a retrospective. Uh, so, so the retrospective is also a mechanism to, that Scrum can use to self-implement itself. So you, you, you go to the retrospective or to the end of an iteration, you see something it's not working, you learn, you analyze it, and you see what you can do to, to do it better. So that way, step by step, you, you can even get to the point of changing the culture. Culture, you could also argue, follows behavior. No, it's not always the other side around. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's kind of where I was hoping we would get to is because when, you, when you're talking about change and predictability and yeah, with an assembly line, you got Frederick Taylor with time and motion studies. Um, the, the, the wild card, you know, literally the poker analogy here, the wild card in that is a human being that is wildly unpredictable. Even though there's a rigid structured procedure, somebody's gonna somebody's gonna screw up. <laughs> somebody's, gonna, somebody's gonna throw a monkey wrench into the, uh, the process, and um, so partly what I hear you, know, you saying with Scrum, and this is my yeah, you know, I'm kind of shaping listening here for for our uh, for our listeners, is that it's a it's it's an exercise in understanding the, the relational dynamic that people have with what's going on around them. That, that's, that's kind of my you know, very you know, lay interpretation, the relational dynamic. And if I can understand the relational dynamic, I begin to mitigate um, the unpredictability in, in one sense. And I increase the certainty of us getting the outcome that we say that we want. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, and let's, let's go back to the beginning of this conversation. So all we want is we want to create value for our clients, right? So what traditionally we do is like, we assume we know. Mm -hmm. Also, if you, even if you ask the client, the client assumes he knows. Problem is we don't really know. And in many cases, the client doesn't even know. So, so if we, if we now built on that assumption a project and we, we work on it for a year and then we deliver something to the client that's a very high chance that that we are far off what he actually needed and and it's based on all the uncertainty of, because of all those assumptions but what scrum does it is it's it's, it's handed around the the value for the client and in iterations you learn and learn and learn fast what is actually of value for the client how mm -hmm. By short iterations, finish something, show it to the client, get feedback. If the client doesn't like it, well, adjust it. 
Sorry, say well, when the client doesn't like it, you did something wrong, right? But you did it wrong at the beginning. If you if you hand that over after a year, the client doesn't like it. Well, you spent already I don't know what it was a million dollar in the year. Yeah. While if you if you do that after a week, well, that's a high difference in, in the result. Yeah. Very different, yeah. And one of the things that I think is important to highlight here is <clears throat> with that rapid iteration, you can begin to neutralize the emotional um, polarization that occurs when right and wrong, good and bad are part of the conversation, part of the assessment, part of the judgment. And rapid iteration allows for, is this working for you or not working for you? And that, that linguistic shift, is this working or not working? Is this you know, close to what you want or not close to what you want? Is different than did I, did, did I do good or did I do bad? Did, you know, is this right or is this wrong? Right and wrong, good and bad, have emotional weight associated with it. I mean, it's embedded in the language. Working and not working is just an assessment. It's kind of like, yeah, not so much working. Yeah, that's working. So we, yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it creates a different conversational dynamic. Yeah, actually, I haven't thought about it that way, but it's absolutely true. So if you, if if you if you go to someone and say, okay, I fulfilled all your your acceptance criteria, take it, uh, but it's a year later and he says, well, no, I don't need it because things have changed. You automatically get into an argument. But if after a week you go, okay, so I've done this, what do you think? Does it work? Yeah. What what doesn't work and then you adjust. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I'm going through a, a, a bit of a branding exercise, rebranding exercise with um, with one of one of my uh, one of my vendors um, as we reposition some of the you know, how we're going to market in some different areas, and they've actually been pretty good. They're not you know, doing a formal scrum you know, sort of an approach to it, but they are very very aware that um, the conversation is the relationship uh, in one sense. So we have you know very regular updates. Is this close to what we were seeing? Yeah. So, and, and things are changing for me because, I mean, in, 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 as we listen to this, I don't want to, I want this to be Greenfield, so, but I am going to you know, put a current event in here. We're, we're in the midst of the, uh, the pandemic, lockdown and everything else, and all kinds of stuff is going on economically. So, we, you know, my firm is looking to reposition how we're going to market. And so, it's looking at yeah, different ways that we can drive traffic in ways that we've never done before. And, and it's all new territory for me. So to the point that you were making as a customer, I wasn't real clear and I'm, you know, to, I'm I'll own this. I'm still not real clear about what I want. I'll know it when I see it. I'll know it when I have it. But right now for me to articulate it is a, it's going to happen through the process of iteration. I get clearer and clearer and clearer. So yeah, and I, I've got a hunch that that's what you run into a lot with your clients where they'll make a request of you and it's formed to the best of their ability. But as you start getting into the process, it can become far more granular, far, far, far easier for them to define it. Yeah, that, like so the, the, the overall vision usually doesn't change that much, right? But, yeah. but the details, so if you expect both parties, not only client, the client and the, 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 the vendor, uh, to define all the details up front for one year project. That's, that, that's not going to work. Like even, <laughs> even if, you, if you get it right at that point in time, like one year later, the whole environment has changed. Yeah. 
So even if you get it right, <laughs> it's different. <laughs> Just going, what happened? Yeah. Now, <clears throat> Scrum is t targeted originally at um, uh, project-based work, hard, you know, a, a, a deliverable, uh, a, a product, so to yeah. speak. That, that's the original. But you've done work with your own organization where it's not just product organized or organ, it's not organized around just a product delivery. It's a service delivery. Uh, you can do that as well with Scrum. Yeah, you, you can you can do that. So um, our main criteria is to look at is there uncertainty involved and what's the cost of change. So the higher the uncertainty is and the lower the cost of change, the, the, the better is in our experience the result that, that we see. We have done that in, in consulting, we have done that in marketing, uh, we have done that obviously in technology, but we have done it also in retail and oil and gas and, yeah. and many different industries that were not like the most natural environment for Scrum, let's say. Yeah, and, and I think that's important for the listener to understand, particularly as an entrepreneur uh, or of a, an owner or a manager leader in a, a mid-sized firm, Oftentimes these folks don't have access to sophisticated tools to create some, some movement in a, in a very disciplined sort of a way. Uh, we kind of do it by the seat of our pants. Uh, this provides you know, uh, a pretty easy access point. And like you said, it's a light touch management tool uh, that has some very powerful implications to it. So um, again, your book is called Your Scrum Playbook. Uh, it's poker, not chess. And you know, people can get it, I'm assuming, uh, Barnes & Noble, I mean, if, if you know, Amazon.com, that sort of thing. Yeah, every major retailer, so it's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. So, so I think on every major retailer, you, you should be able to get it. There's also an e-book, so in case your retailer doesn't deliver printed versions right now. <laughs> okay, so they can, yeah, not audible, but they, you've got it as e-book and, uh, and, and soft copy, hard copy, yeah. So yeah. I, that, that's what I was actually working on an audible, but uh, it's, it's still in the pipeline. Yeah, good, good. Folks, my, my guest today has been Fabian Schwartz. Um, we're, we're talking about Scrum, and it's a strange sounding word uh, unless you're in the sports world. And if you're in the sports world, you're one, you're scratching your head and going, what does this have to do with business and the soul of business in particular? It has everything to do with it because it keeps you connected. I mean, it is a way to keep you to connected to value. And that's, I kind of go back to how Fabian uh, yeah, answered my question about what is the soul of business. And it's, you know, business is, design, you, know, you, you have a business to create a customer. You, you know, create a customer by creating value and you create value by solving a problem. And you solve the problem by understanding what's, invo you know, what's involved in it here. Um, so the Scrum process is designed very specifically to keep you your customer, your vendor, and your people connected to your soul. I mean, that's probably the simplest way that I can understand it. Um, and, it, and, it and it's a methodology that is tried and true. It's been around for a while. Where, where can people find out more about you and your company, Fabian? So you can definitely connect uh, on LinkedIn, just Fabian Schwartz. And that's S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z. Correct. Yeah, a good German name. Good German area. <laughs> and you, you could also go to our webpage, scrumnetwork.com. So if you, if you have any business in Latin America, that's, that's our, our center there. Um, yeah, so I guess LinkedIn or scrumnetwork.com would, would work best. 
Okay. And I will have that information up in the, uh, the show notes you know, when we go live with this. Um, Fabian, I want to thank you very, very much. Uh, I could talk to you forever and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I would like to say that I'm happy that we uh, had a broken interview last time. I mean, that would you know, sound kind of rude in one sense, but I am happy that we had that broken interview because it gives me a chance to come back to this. And I've enjoyed this conversation very much again. Uh, thanks a lot, Blaine. It was a great conversation, a great second conversation. And I enjoyed it also. So yeah, thanks a lot for inviting me. Uh, absolutely. And you, you, uh, not, 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 yeah, you've been back twice now. This is the only one that's going to broadcast, but I'd love to have you come back again if you're willing. I think sure. we've got some good stuff here. Okay. You take care. This is uh, Blaine Bartlett. You've been listening to Blaine Bartlett uh, hosting The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. You know, there's my name about three times very rapidly. Um, you can find out more about me and what we're up to at uh, BlaineBartlett.com. And I would like to mention very, very briefly here, um, when you're on the website, BlaineBartlett.com, go to um, a new link that we have up. And it's called Mindset Mastermind, blainebartlett.com forward slash Mindset Mastermind. And you will find a link to a mastermind program that we're beginning that is a part of the new book that I've got out, uh, The Leadership Mindset Weekly. And it is a 52-week uh, long, it's a, basically a full year long uh, course on developing a leader's mindset for this new emerging uh, world that we're going to be finding ourselves in as we uh, come out of this, uh, this pandemic. So blainebartlett.com. And uh, if you want to get really granular, blainebartlett.com forward slash mindset mastery. And did I say mindset mastery? That is not what it is. Uh, master. <laughs> what did I, I just lost my uh, leadership. Yeah. Mindset mastermind. There we go, Mindset Mastermind. Let me confuse everybody. BlaineBartlett.com, Mindset Mastermind. Again, BlaineBartlett.com. My guest today has been Fabian Schwartz. Fabian, again, thank you very much. Thank you, Blaine. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.